Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our assistant pastor, Carlos Farias. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Romans chapter 5 is a great passage. Uh, recently, I had preached from Romans chapter 5 about the benefits of being justified by faith, but tonight we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 11, and I love this passage of scripture. Just a little recap of the beginning of this chapter is being justified by faith and the benefits of it is that we have a confidence and a hope to see God one day and we get to see the glory of God. And as Paul is writing in this chapter, we'll get to see uh, just some awesome things about God's love here in Romans chapter 5. So let's read there in Romans chapter 5 in verse 6. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received the atonement. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much for this uh, day that you've given us in your house. Thank you so much for the freedom we have just to come here and worship you together. I thank you, Lord, for your word and how it just ministers to our life. I pray, Lord, as we dive in here to Romans chapter 5, you would help us to see the great love that you have for us. And just so many awesome truths from this passage, Lord. I pray that as you speak to us tonight, uh, through your word, that you would help us to obey that what you speak to us about. Thank you, Lord, so much for the freedom we have to be here. And I pray that you'd help us never to take your love for granted. Uh, We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Sorry, I'm trying to find my slides here, and they are not popping up. But that's okay. We'll get there. Brian, they're not working, so, or, or Rob. But so in this passage, we see in Romans, in Romans, the book of Romans, Paul is reiterating the fact that people cannot be justified by the law. And the Romans, they had a tough time understanding this, so Paul was just uh, repeating this and repeating this. And it's a good thing to understand that, uh, that you can't be justified by the law. And so Paul, in the beginning of Romans 1, he tries to explain about who these wicked people are and what the punishment is for that sin. And so Paul is painting a picture here in verses 6 through 11 about what state we were in before getting saved. Paul has been reiterating that you cannot save yourself. In this chapter, we get to see the great unconditional love that God has for us. And if you're not able to see that, then you're going to have to open your eyes a little bit because it is so uh, very obvious to see the love that God has for us. Paul explains in this chapter, this passage of scripture, who Christ died for. Paul described in the first couple of chapters about the wickedness of people, and truthfully, that is, we all fall under that category of wicked people. I thank the Lord that what he saw, our need for a Savior, he demonstrated his love toward us and gave us that Savior. Have you ever felt like you didn't deserve something in life? Have you ever felt like when you, were a war, uh, when you won an award for something and you got that award, but you didn't quite feel like you earned it or felt like you did enough to receive that award? Well, Paul is talking about that here in verses 6 through 11. A sin caused us to be 
separated from God when we were born into this world. But the amazing thing is that that's exactly who Christ died for, uh, the ungodly. We were the ones without strength. We were the ones on our way to hell. But once, you, but once you're saved, all that changes thanks to the loving God that we serve. You know, we as Christians should never take uh, God's love for granted. And we see in this chapter that really uh, the love that we get from God is undeserved because of our sin separating for us from God. Uh, but thank God that he looked at us and saw someone who needs a savior and he sent his son. And we'll see in this passage what a great uh, sacrifice that was. And when there, and the California gold fever broke out, a man went there and leaving his wife in New England with his boy, as soon as he got on and was successful, he was to send for them. It was a long time before he succeeded, but at least he got, but at last he got money enough to send for them. The wife's heart leaped for joy. She took her boy to New York, got on board a Pacific steamer, and sailed away to San Francisco. They had not been long at sea before the cry of fire, fire, rang through the ship, and rapidly it gained on them. There was a powdered magazine on board, and the captain knew that the moment the fire reached the powder, every man, woman, and child would die. They got on the lifeboats, but they were too small. In a, in a minute, they were overcrowded. The last one was just pushing away. And when the mother pled with them to take her and her boy, they said, no, we have to get as many as we can hold. And she entreated them so earnestly that as last they said, they could not, they could not take, or they only take one more. Do you think she leaped into the boat and left her boy to die? No. She seized her boy, gave him one last hug, kissed him and dropped him over into the boat. My boy, she said, if you live to see your father, tell him that I died in your place. This is the faint picture of what Christ has done for us. He laid down his life for us. He died that we might live, and now will you not love him? And what do you say of that young man if he should speak contemptuously of such a mother? And so we should never speak that way of God being contemptuous because he gave up his only son so that we could have eternal life. I want you to see in verse 6 tonight, if, we, if you look along with me, that God's timing is perfect. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. The death of Jesus was not something late or delayed by God. The Romans 5, 6, 5, 6 says that Jesus died in due time. Oftentimes we think that when God is not working, uh, when we want him to, then he is late. But we have to remember that God's ways are higher than ours. It says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, isn't it true that oftentimes we get very impatient? Uh, we get very impatient in life and in today's culture and society with consumerism. Uh, people just advertise that there's this new thing and you should just want it now. And it's kind of seeped into our daily life where, you know, like an iPhone comes out and then you have it. And then one year later, you're like, oh, man, it's got a slightly better battery, a slightly better screen and a slightly better processor. I got to have it, you know. So this, uh, this kind of consumerism uh, idea is that we need it and we need it now. And sometimes we get that way with God. And that is not the place that we want to be with God because God does not work in our timeline. And we have to remember that God knows way better, way better than us. He knows more than us. And in today's culture, people just want things now. And so when you pray to God and he doesn't answer that request right away, do you give up? And I read in the Bible, you know, recently where Jesus, you know, he's on his earthly ministry, people who come to him in belief, 
uh, he blesses their faith in him. And Jesus says to them, you know, don't believe something or don't pray this or don't believe in it if you don't truly think it will happen. You know, he says, pray these things believing that you already have received it. And so when we pray, when we, when we weigh on God, do we, do we think that he's not working fast enough? Do we feel like he's not working on our timeline? Our holy and righteous God saw us in our weakness and showed us so much mercy, so much compassion, and so much love. And Jesus' work has, was done at the perfect time in God's plan. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Galatians 4.5 says, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. The idea behind the phrase, the fullness of time, is when the time was right, Jesus came at the just the right time in God's redemptive plan. And when the world was perfectly prepared for God's work, for those who were under the bondage of law, it may seem that Jesus' coming was late. But Paul assures us that it was just at the right time. And because Jesus is God, he had the power to redeem us. And because Jesus is man, he had the ability to redeem us. He came to purchase us out of the slave market from our bondage to sin and the elements of the world. All in God's perfect timing, those who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus now receive the adoption, becoming the sons of God. In Galatians 4, 7, it says, wherefore thou art no more servant but a son, and of a son than an heir of God through Christ. Because of salvation we have in Christ, we are heirs of God through Christ. What an amazing sequence. We go from First, being slaves to our sin. Secondly, being adopted by God. And thirdly, we, we get to be heirs of God. You know, what, usually someone who inherits something, they receive something. In Paul, writing in Galatians, he says that we inherit God. And if that doesn't get you excited, you know, like, okay, well, big deal, right? I need someone, amen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we inherit God himself, and that would never happen if God did not send his son to die on the cross. We, ha- we get so much because of, because of God's love. And when you think of people inheriting something, uh, they inherit riches or wealth that their family left behind them. But we as Christians get to inherit such a rich and beautiful relationship with a God who loves us. And oftentimes we don't take advantage of that relationship and we waste our time on earth not uh, enjoying that inheritance. And God wants us to be able to have that through Jesus Christ, because, what, because in due time, God knew exactly what he was doing, and Jesus died for the sins of the world, all according to the Father's plan. In due time also has the meaning that Jesus died in due time for us. He died when we were sinners who needed a Savior. His timing was just right for us. God's plan was for Jesus to die for the ungodly. We are so blessed to have a God who cares so much about our eternal state that he gave his only begotten son. Paul writes about this in Romans 3.25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through through the forbearance of God. The Greek word that is used that means on behalf of or for the sake of. You know, there is no way that we could ever redeem ourselves and Jesus Christ did such an amazing and a redemptive on the cross, and Jesus knew what, what, he had to, what had to be done, and God set him to be a propitiation or an atonement for our sins. Spurgeon put it this way, you will say, oh, I am one of the worst in the world. Christ died for the worst in the world, but, oh, I have, 
Oh, but I have no power to be better. Christ died for those that were without strength. Oh, but my case condemns itself. Christ died for those that legally are condemned. But my case is hopeless. Christ died for the hopeless. He is the hope of the hopeless. He is the savior of those partly lost, not partly lost, but wholly lost. And we think of Paul, right? Paul in the Bible, we look up to as a great Christian, someone who would role model a true servant of God. And Paul uh, helping many churches, starting many churches, encouraging Christians in the scriptures. And what did Paul say about himself? He said that he was the chiefest of, chief of, uh, chiefest of sinners, right? Paul had the attitude, a humble attitude towards himself is that he wasn't anything outside of God. And oftentimes we think that because of our mess ups or because of what we've experienced in our past that we aren't good enough to be used by God. And a lot of people, if you ever got the chance to witness to someone, uh, they say, well, I'm not savable. You know, I'm not, I've done some bad things. I'm not a good person. Uh, but the good news is, is that Jesus Christ died for those very people. Uh, Jesus Christ died for those who are ungodly. And it's, it's great to understand that truth is that there is nothing that God can't do in someone's life. And uh, God's love is uncommon. Secondly, I want us to see that God's love is uncommon in verse 7 and verse 8, if you would follow along. For scarcely a, for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure uh, for a good man someone even dared to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is love beyond even the best love among humans. A good man might die a noble death for the right kind of person. Paul is saying that human love is fickle and people's love often change based on the circumstances. Uh, but Jesus died for those who were neither not righteous or good. The word commendeth that Paul uses means to demonstrate or to prove, and God did exactly that. Even the death of the son proves God's love because he had to send his only son to die on the gruesome death of, on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know, we think about this, right? We know, we know that in our state that we are wicked, we are sinful, and yet when God saw that, he could have just had the excuse of saying, well, they're kind of, there's, there's no hope for them. But you, re, you got to realize that what you see from this passage of Scripture is that God wanted to restore that relationship. And we'll see later on from this passage uh, the, about restoring. It's a, and I, there's a quote I have here. Uh, the work of Jesus on the cross for us and God's ultimate proof of his love for you. He may give additional proof, but he can give no greater proof. If the cross is the ultimate demonstration of God's love, it is also the ultimate demonstration of man's hatred. It, is all, it also proves that the height of man's hatred cannot defeat the height of God's love. The fact that Christ would die for those who are ungodly, the very people that would reject him, amazes me. You know, because Christ had to put that weight on his shoulders, and it caused the Father to turn his back on him. And all, this, all these things that Christ went through was not his fault. You know, we know that he was the blameless, spotless Lamb of God, and he died on the cross because he, wanted, he was the atonement for our sin. It wasn't his sin that he had to die for. It was our sin. And that is a personal savior. Jesus uh, uh, bearing his cross, walking down that road to Golgotha, 
knowing that this was for those who would believe on his name. And so to think that God would give up his only son, that's a sacrifice. You know, God to do that for people who are the very reason causing his son's death, that's unreal love, undeserved love. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. In 14 it says, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Do you ever just sit back in awe at the love our Savior has for us? Jesus, who was holy, perfect, our Savior, calls us his servants, friends. People can say whatever they want about God, but I know that our God is full of love and mercy and compassion. Jesus had the ability to not go through with the death on the cross, but the thing that amazes me is that Jesus humbled himself. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself all the way up until his death. We know that Jesus in his deity could have stopped it, but he knew that without the remission or without the shedding of blood that there was no forgiveness of sins. And I'm so thankful that Jesus, knowing the Father's plan for him, he humbled himself and went through with what God wanted. And see, oftentimes we, in our flesh, we want to question God's will. We, we try to ask him, uh, is, are you sure that you want me to do this because I don't feel like doing it? And, you know, Jesus did pray that. I did preach a, l- a little bit ago about Jesus' prayer in the garden. Uh, Jesus he asked, you know, if it's at all possible, Father, please let this cup pass from me, talking about God's wrath. But I love the words that he said. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. And we, ha- we ought to have that same mentality uh, like Jesus. The one who saved us, the one who died for us on the cross, he lived such an example that we even can follow now. And Jesus had the ability to not go through with it, but I'm so glad that he did. And Jesus was more concerned about what the Father wanted. And we have to be like that. You know, we, we know that there's certain things that God wants us to do. And if we don't do it, then we are being, we're being more concerned about our flesh and not what God wants. This kind of love is surely uncommon. And we should be so thankful that we get to experience such love. And how should this love affect us as a Christian? We know from Romans 5 that Christ died for us even when we were sinners. The least that we can do is die to ourselves. How could, how could one choose to live in sin when Christ died on the cross to free you from the bondage of that sin? If you're saved tonight, you do not have to be under the power of that sin anymore. You can live a life victorious knowing that Christ who died for your sin can give you victory. In Romans 12:1 it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Think of all the mercies of God that Paul has talked about to this point in Romans 12. Justification from the guilt and penalty of sin. Adoption in Jesus and identification with Christ. Place under grace and not the law. Giving the Holy Spirit to live within. Promise to help in all affliction. Assurance of standing in God's election. Confidence in the coming glory, confidence in no separation from the love of God, confidence in God's continued faithfulness. And all these things we get from God that are are beneficial to us. And if this doesn't prove God's love for us, then I don't know what will. 
it is best to see the body here as a reference to our entire being. Whatever we say about our spirit, soul, flesh, and mind, we know that they, li- they each live in our bodies. When we give the body to God, the soul and the spirit go with it. Present your bodies means that God wants you. He wants not just your work, you may do all kinds of work for God, but you may never give him yourself. You know, Romans 12, 1, we understand that we have to be a living sacrifice. And, you know, the problem with that is that living sacrifices, they tend to hop off the altar. And we know in the Old Testament that God was okay with uh, them offering up animals as sacrifices. And, you know, God, you know, that's what God's plan was for them. Uh, but we should be thankful that we have a permanent sacrifice. And that when, when we accept Christ as our Savior, it's not just a temporary covering of righteousness, but a permanent one. And when we get saved, uh, we don't have to worry about offering up animals and sacrifices. We don't have to worry about uh, the continual uh, standing of righteousness with God because we have that through Jesus Christ. And so this type of uncommon love should move us to truly live for Christ, not just praise him with our lips and have our hearts to be, to be far from him. Isn't it true that if we, if we live a life that says, I love God and I'm serving him and we're far from him, God knows. And Jesus had ran into that problem all the time with the Pharisees in the New Testament. He called them vipers, hypocrites, because it was true. And we cannot hide our motives from God, and we never will be able to hide them. And so it should be, our, it should be a joyful to us to be able to serve God and give him our lives. You know, Paul's saying that it's not something that you should dread. It's not something that you should do. You should wake up one day and be like, oh, here we go again. I guess I got to serve God today. No, it should be a, your reasonable service. Uh, if, you ever, if, you, if you think about someone who has done something so kind for you on earth, you always want to treat them well. Like, you want to be nice to them. You want to give them gifts. You want to just thank them for what they've done for you. But isn't it so sad that we treat God differently? We know what he's done for us, and yet we still choose to live in sin and not enjoy being a servant to him. And it's, it's a... It should be, you know, it's required of us. You know, we're purchased. You know, we're not our own. And it's not a sacrifice for us to live and walk an upright life. You know, it shouldn't be a sacrifice for us to get up and serve God and to choose God and not to live in the flesh. But oftentimes we, we, we can pulling to one side or the other. And we know that in the Bible it says that it's impossible to serve God and mammon. And Jesus teaches that very principle in Luke 16. And so if you're, if you're here at church wearing a, your church hat and you go somewhere else and you're wearing the hat of the world, uh, those two, those two uh, lives that you're living will mix and it's not, it's not a good road. And it's not possible to be able to have one foot in the world and one foot serving God. And when we think about, when we truly think about what God has done for us, what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it shouldn't be hard for us to live our life that pleases God. I want you to see thirdly tonight in Romans 5 in verse 9 through 11 that God's love restores. If you follow along with me, it says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. 
If we are justified by the works of Jesus, we can be assured that we are also saved from the wrath through him. Paul, write, Paul wrote in Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold to the truth of unrighteousness. What a great fact. If you are justified by the blood of Christ, then you are saved from God's wrath. If God showed such dramatic love to us when we were sinners or we were enemies, think of the blessings we will enjoy once we are reconciled to God. And if God does as much for his enemies, how much more will he do for his friends? And if you already are saved, you've been able to see the blessings and the love from God in that area. Because a God who loves his enemies that much is surely going to show love to those that are, the, that are his adopted children. And when you sit back and reflect on this passage, it should leave you speechless to see the love that God has for you. What God would do so much for those who are enemies of, to him because of sin, our God. How do you feel when you're confronted with someone who you don't really like? You know, there's, there's people in life that just rub us the wrong, rub us the wrong way. They, whenever they talk, we just want to punch them in the face like Leo. You know, whenever they, whenever they do something, it just irritates us. We just don't want anything to do with them. And we, we kind of get that way toward people. You know, of course, there's people in our life that are easy to love and easy to be around. And there's people that you just don't ever want to talk to. And that's just how we are. But I'm thankful that God is not that way. Because truly, if God was with us the way we are with others, then we would not have any place with God at all. Uh, do you not feel, you do not feel anything nice toward those people. You do, it would just ruin your day if you had to do something kind for them, wouldn't it? But man, when God saw us in our sin, our need for redemption, he did not just say, well, it looks like they're on their own. I cannot have any part of sin. No, instead, he looked at us, and even when we were enemies with God, it was his desire to give us reconciliation with him. Wow. That is, when I, when I think of that, I'm just like, wow. Like, God looked at us while we were his enemies and said, man, I want a reconciliation with these people. And that should just blow you away, to cause you to say, wow, God, thank you so much for that reconciliation. That word reconciliation means to restore. Uh, before salvation, we were dead in our sins and there was no hope of eternal life. But because God has so much love, even for his enemies, he sent his only son to die on the cross so that we could have recon be reconciled to God through Christ. And when you are a child of God, you do not have to fear death. When you, when you mess up, you know, when we are a child of God and we mess up, we don't have to worry about being judged by God's wrath in that way. And God will chasten us as he sees fit because a God who loves is a God who corrects. But we don't have to worry about our sin condemning us anymore and being under God's wrath because of that reconciliation that we receive. And if you're here tonight and you don't know that Jesus is your Savior, then God wants you to be reconciled to him. And having that reconciliation with God is the best thing that you can have and just to think that God would love you so much to want to have a restored relationship uh, should move you. And thank God that he does not deal with us based on wrath, but, for, but with forgiveness and such mercy. Thank God that we are here tonight by his mercy. And we cannot have obtained reconciliation through our own merit. Everything we have with God is because of Jesus, and God is the one who gave his son for us. And that is the kind of love that restores a lost soul. 
If you, see, if you read all these passages, like in Ephesians and in Romans, it's through Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. And God knew that. You know, God knew that on our own, that we couldn't have a reconciled relationship with him. We couldn't have that place with him. And so there had to be a way. There had to be a way that we can get that kind of relationship, and it was through, and it's through Jesus Christ. And God did so much for sinners. He gave his only son. God made it possible for man to have a restored relationship with him. And shame on us if we choose to live in the flesh and serve the flesh rather than serve the God who has given us so much undeserved love. You know, oftentimes in life, we get distracted with the shiny things, you know, the shiny sin. So oftentimes we get distracted and Satan knows what will get you. You know, when you're, when you're a child of God and you have that restored relationship, Satan knows exactly how to get under your skin. Did you know that you don't have to give in to that temptation? It's, it's, not a, it's not one day I do pretty good and the next day I messed up, you know? And in the Bible, you know, it says, just resist the devil and sin not. It's really that easy. It's a, it's a choice that you have to make. So, Shame on us if we know that we have that reconciled relationship with God and yet we still choose sin. If people ought to see God's love through you and how it affects you in your day-to-day life. Uh, We don't have to live with our head down. We can live life with our head held high because if you are saved, you have victory and you are not a slave to sin any longer. You know, God wants us to be restored with him through Jesus, so let's live it out. If we choose sin over a relationship with God, then we really need to look back at what Jesus did on the cross so that we can have access to the Father. It is healthy to remind ourselves of what Jesus had to go through for us. And if that does not cause you to walk an upright life, then I'm not sure what will. You know, we have to have that heart of the psalmist, you know, God search me and know me and create a clean heart in me. Oftentimes in life, we do not like criticism. We do not like to be corrected or told that what we're doing is wrong. And when we know deep down that we're living a life that is displeasing to God, we know that correction is going to come. And we do not like that. But it is so much better to ask God for that forgiveness, to get clean, rather than to keep going down a rabbit hole of sin. And when we let this love affect us, when we really live out God's love, then people will notice. And so we've been able to see from this passage that God's timing is perfect. And, you know, thank God that he saw the need to send a savior for us. And secondly, God's love, I forgot my point. God's love is uncommon. God's love is very uncommon. And that we, We're able to see that through scripture because our love is fickle. It doesn't last how God's love lasts. And lastly, we're able to see tonight that God's love restores. And I'm so thankful for the reconciliation that I get to have with God through Jesus Christ. And so when you're, when you're going through a rough time, when you're going through a tough trial, just remember that God's love will be able to take you through that. God's love will be able to help you walk through that trial, that difficulty with your head held high because you are restored. And if you're here tonight and you, if you know that you personally haven't been saved, then you're not restored and God wants that relationship. And in 
It's just so amazing when you, when you first get saved, you feel the burden of sin and all this pressure lift off your shoulders. So let's live this week with God's love uh, pouring out from us because truly if we let it affect us in our day-to-day life, people will, will notice and we'll get to live a victorious Christian life. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.